If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find Mark, the fourth chapter. As we have been going verse by verse, word by word through the Gospel of Mark, uh, we've been looking the last four weeks on the heart and how the Christian faith is a personal relationship with the Lord. It's something He deals with us in our spirit. It's not flesh. It's not outward. We do church. We do religion. We do all of these other things as a result of our relationship with the Lord. But the Christian faith is a personal relationship that God has with us. And when His Spirit deals with us, He deals with our hearts, who we are, what we're doing. And uh, when we went through chapter 3, he started right out by healing people and looking at the religious leaders of his day and saying, your hearts are hardened. You could care less about me or what I'm doing. We looked through that chapter and we looked about the unpardonable sin when the Holy Spirit deals with someone, convicts them, shows them the truth, and they say no. We looked at how the multitudes came and worshipped Him for what they could get out of Him, healings and miracles. And then we looked about how the fact that His family came to Him and thinks, thought He had lost His mind and wanted to protect Him. And we looked at the Spirit of God does three things in the heart of a lost person. He shows us that we are sinners, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He then points us to Jesus, this righteousness that He loved you, that He died on the cross for you, that He was buried, that He rose again. And then He warns us that if we reject that free gift of salvation, there is a judgment to come, an eternity separated from God where we will face the punishment of our sins. And I just want you to know I have thoroughly enjoyed how God has worked in my heart showing some of the areas of my life where I had kind of said, no, Lord, you can't have my unforgiveness, or Lord, no, you can't have some of my anger, or Lord, you can't have some of my doubt. And, and the Lord dealt with me, and the Lord's been working, and, and we've been so blessed. We've seen um, numerous people saved, and we've seen baptisms, and we've got more upcoming. And so God has just been at work and, and softening people's hearts in this church, and and uh, doing so many things. But yet I also want you to know something. That as the Spirit of God works, you and I can respond in love. And He can soften our hearts and He can work with us. Or two, we can say no. And what happens in that moment is the heart grows colder. It grows more hard. And you say, preacher, I'm just so glad we got through chapter 3. It was hitting close to home. It was hitting personable. Well, you are not going to like chapter 4 any better. Because what Jesus does is He looks at the people who He loves and He says, do you want to know why people reject me? Do you want to know why the people that you work with and try to talk to about Jesus act like they don't care? Do you want to know why people who make professions of faith at some point in their life and then run away from that? Do you want to know how some people can be so on fire for God and then tragedy strikes and they abandon God? Do you want to know why all of that happens? He says, I'm going to tell you. And in chapter 4 is where he tells us. And this morning, I want you to know that because this matters. Because God cares about people. God cares about lost people. They might not look like you. They might not vote like you. They might not talk like you. You might hate them with a passion because of what they've done for you, how they've hurt you, how they've let you down. But yet God loves lost people. 
And in Matthew chapter 28, we are given our marching orders as the children of God. Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. When he, they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This morning, if you are a father and you do not care if your wife or children love God, there is something wrong. Moms, if you do not care about your children's relationship with the Lord, there is something wrong. If you go to work every day and the people that you work with, you do not care whether they spend an eternity with God or an eternity away from God, there is something wrong. As a church, if we do not care about this community and where they will spend eternity, something is wrong. Because Jesus tells them, go! People matter to God. But look what it says here in Mark chapter 3, the last verse from last week. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, Jesus breaks through everything and says, being a Christian is not because you go to church. It's not because you were baptized. It's not because you take the Lord's Supper. It's not because you give money. It's not these outward things that you do. But when you've experienced the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God, it changes who you are. It changes how you think. It changes how you talk. It changes how you love. And what Jesus says is, if you belong to me, you have experienced something and someone that will forever change your life. You say, well, Jake, I'm a Christian, but I have never been changed. You're not a Christian. You're not a child of God. You might be a wonderful member of Ten Mile Baptist Church. You might be a wonderful member of a Sunday school class. You might be a wonderful deacon or a wonderful pastor. But if the love of God has never changed your heart and it has not changed you, Friends, you're not a child of God. But what has happened is we've all lost family members that we wonder about. Were they saved? Were they not saved? What did this mean? And we've tried to convince ourselves that they're going to heaven. That's what has happened. And so everybody goes as long as I know them, as long as I love them, as long as they're related to me. But what Jesus says is, is you've got to get alone with the Spirit of God and let Him deal with each and every one of you. You say, well, Jake, what does this mean for me today? Well, the title of the sermon is Listen, Listen, Listen. Because God doesn't want you to reject Him and to harden your heart and get to a place where you are no longer responsive. If you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, we're going to read one verse from this chapter, starting off in verse 9 of chapter 4. And He said to them, Jesus said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Don't miss that this morning. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This morning, God wants to speak to you. God wants to deal with you. God wants to work in your life. The question is, will you let Him? Father, this morning I thank You for Your love and mercy and grace to us. 
Father, I pray that if there's anything in my heart or life that would hinder what you're doing here, that you would forgive me and remove it. Lord, I know that nothing can happen today unless you do it. And so, Lord, we're trusting in the authority of your word, the power of your spirit. And, Lord, we pray for humble hearts today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you've ever asked that question in your own life, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that my loved ones are saved? Is there any way to know why things go on the way that they do? Yes. God does not want you to split hell wide open and say, I didn't know that. I I, I didn't understand that. No, He says, listen today. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what the Word is saying. And so if you have to remember, Jesus has spent His whole ministry telling everyone who would listen that it's time to believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist had came and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. But yet it has come to a point where people have hardened their heart. And Jesus says, for those of you who believe, you're going to understand. And for those of you who have rejected, it's going to be impossible. Friends, this morning I want you to know something. That you are either going closer to Jesus... Are you growing apart from Him? You are either softening your heart through the power and conviction of the Holy Spirit to the things of God, or you are slowly hardening them to the things of God. And look what Jesus says here this morning, if you would with me. Um, For the sake of time, we'll get started because this morning was a little bit longer, and I apologize for that ahead of time. The Spirit is at work in the hearts of people. This morning, if you're here, it's not an accident. God wants to work in your heart. You say, Jake, but I've done so many things wrong. I've, I've got such a bad past or I'm not a bad person. I, I really don't need these things. This morning you need to know that God loves you. That God wants a relationship with you. Look what it says here in verses 1 through 9. And again he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. Parable is just a real world example of a spiritual truth. Jesus didn't come up with them. They'd been used by all teachers. They'd been used by Nathan when he went to King David and said, you've done a really bad thing. All right? But look at verse 3. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Think about this day a farmer going along and spreading the seed by hand. The sower is going out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. The wayside was the area in between fields that people walked on as a path to get from one town to another before highways and byways. And you had major roads from big cities, but in the little cities, if you wanted to go to Dalgren, you're walking through people's fields. And in the edge of those fields, over years and months, it became hard and it became like concrete. And so as the person is spreading the seed, some of it lands on that Hard ground. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and the 
Because it had no root, it withered away. In Israel, the ground could look really nice on top, but the dirt would be very thin. And so you would have some seed fall in that. It would shoot up, but it wouldn't hold water. It had no root system. And so when the weather got hot and the sun beat upon it, that plant died. It goes on. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorn grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And so if you know anything about pulling weeds, if you don't get them all and you don't get the roots, it comes back. It's just a mess. And so the seed falls in some of that areas where the the weeds are and the thorns are and it grows up, but yet it's just tangled out by all the mess. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, we see from this passage of Scripture that we're supposed to take the Word of God, the gospel message of Jesus, and spread it everywhere in areas that we don't understand because we do not know the hearts of people. You do not know who God is working on. You don't know how God is moving in someone's life. You don't know what God has brought them through to get them here today. You say, well, Jake, that person, they don't, they don't think like I do, or they don't look like I do, or they don't talk like I do, or Jake, you just don't know them like I do. Look here, you don't know their heart. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know how God has been dealing with them. And what we are responsible for is to tell people that Jesus loves them. He died for them. They are on their way to hell without Him. But yet if they will repent and trust Him, they can be Saved. They can be brought into the family of God. They can experience a love and mercy and grace that you can find nowhere else. The choice is yours. And so we see that in these first few verses. But then let me show you what we see next. There are only two responses to the good news of Jesus. You say, Jake, there are three soils that are bad and there is one that is good. Yes, but those three bad soils explain why people don't believe. But friends, you can either accept Jesus or reject Him. You either accept Him or reject Him. Look what it says in verses 10 through 12. But when He was alone, after everybody left, this big crowd of people had went back to where they were at. He has just His few that really loved Him, that really cared about Him. But when He was alone, those around Him with the twelve asked Him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may not see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. You see, I want to remind you of the people we looked at. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, it was the Pharisees. And their heart hated Jesus. It was hard to the things of God. That's that way side surface. It's hard. It doesn't care about God. It doesn't care about the things of God. Maybe someone uh, raised you in church and was a hypocrite, and so you hate the things of God. Or maybe you've got more money than you could ever spend, and your family is in perfect condition, and so you don't have any need for God. You're just busy about your life. That second soil, that that soil that was good on top but rocky underneath, that were those people that were looking for the miracles. right? They were there to be healed. They were there to receive their sight. But yet, when things didn't go their way, they didn't have any use for God. 
I can tell you over the many years I've pastored, I've, had, I've seen people come into my office and say, Jake, if I don't get right with God, my wife's going to leave. They make a profession of faith. Their wife leaves and they say, I don't need Jesus. I just did it because I wanted her to stay. Or how many times I've been in a hospital room with someone and I've asked them, do you believe that Jesus Christ loves you, died for you, will save you? And they'll say, yes, I'll believe and I need a miracle of physical healing. The physical healing doesn't come and the person says, I don't want Jesus. You see, that's that second group. The third group, though, are people who genuinely fall under the conviction and moving of God and they think, I need that in my life. I would like that in my life. But then the problems of life come. How do I love Jesus more than I love my wife? Can I really love Jesus more than I love my hobbies? Can I really love Jesus more than I love making money? And when they realize they cannot love Him more than they love something else, there is no real salvation. And so these are the three groups of people, just like his family that came to him and said, what are you doing out here in the wilderness? Why are you living this way? Why are you going through this? Come home. They loved him, but... They didn't love him for who he was. And so I want you to see this because what happens is this. In Matthew chapter 13, this very same story is being told to us. And listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus says, I am going to start teaching in a way because they've rejected me. They don't love me. They won't listen to me. They won't turn and follow me. This morning I want you to know something, that if you're here today, God has given you an opportunity to hear from Him, to have a relationship with Him, to accept His love and mercy and grace. And then he goes on and quotes from the book of Isaiah. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. This morning I want you to hear one of the most heartbreaking, but yes, encouraging things in the Bible. Go on down in chapter 4 with me if you have your copy of God's Word and listen to what it says right after this that we'll be looking at next week. He said to them, take heed what you... Oh, come on, you can read it. Hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be... Given. But don't miss this. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. When you sit in church and the Spirit of God is dealing with you, as long as you do not say, No, Lord, I don't want it, I don't need it, I'm not going to believe it, as long as you, even if you are not willing to accept it at the time, the Spirit of God is dealing with you, friends, He will keep dealing with you. He will keep dealing with you. When you say, you know what, I can't believe it yet, Lord, but I I think it's true. I'm not sure what to do. That battle, that struggle is going on with you. He says, if you will receive it, you will be given more of it. 
That means when you are embracing the light that the gospel brings to you, you will have more of it. But what it says is what? If you refuse it, if you say, Lord, I don't need this. Lord, I don't want this. Lord, I'm not going to accept this. What does it say? It will be taken. That's why, friends, sitting in church is the greatest blessing or one of the greatest burdens you will ever bring into your family. Because if you're willing to listen to the Word of God, it will be food for your soul. God will use it to encourage you and strengthen you and convict you and deal with you and change you and set you free. But friends, when you sit in church and the Word of God is preached and you say, no, I don't want that, I don't need that, I'm not going to accept that, your heart grows harder. You become more angry toward the things of God, more rejecting to the things of God. You say, Jake, what about conviction? I was under conviction for years. That because God saw a little flicker of hope in your response to Him. And he said, I'm just going to keep giving it. I'm going to keep giving it. I'm going to keep giving it. And that's what it says here. And this morning, the greatest thing you could do for your life is to believe that when the Bible says today is the day of salvation, that's what he means. Because today is the greatest opportunity you will ever have to believe because you do not know what tomorrow holds. And friends, your heart might just grow harder and harder and harder that light that God has revealed to you might get smaller and smaller and smaller. Last thing this morning, you said, boy, this is going quick. This is where it gets kind of hard, all right? The fruit that is produced is the evidence of salvation. People ask me all the time, preacher, how do I know that I'm saved? Can I know that I am a Christian? Yes. You absolutely can know whether you are really a child of God on your way to heaven, name written in the Lamb's book of life. Can I know for certainty that you're saved? No. Can you know that I am saved for certainty? No. But I can know if I am a child of God. And that's what Jesus is getting ready to show us. Starting in verse 13. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? If we don't get this one right, everything Jesus teaches in the rest of the book of Mark, we won't get. We'll miss every bit of it. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. When you're too busy for God, when you don't think you need God, when you've turned a blind eye to God and He begins to deal with you, the God of this world, the Bible says, will blind you. He will take that message that is being preached this morning and convince you, you don't need that Jesus. You don't need forgiveness. You're not that bad of a person. You go to church sometimes. You're a good person in the community. That preacher lives worse than you do. What does he know Satan will begin to show you that there is not a need. I've got plenty of time. I'll get right with God when I have more time, when I'm at the end of my life. I'll, I'll get right with God when I'm tired of pursuing my other interest. Your heart is hard. The second thing there, it says, Likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. 
and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation and persecution arise for the Word's sake. Immediately they stumble. You say, well, Jake, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid, but yet when the Bible said that I cannot commit a certain sin and I want to commit that certain sin, the church doesn't matter to me anymore. Or, or when the Bible says that I have to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, I don't mind to love Him with a little bit. Or, Jake, I know the Bible says that I'm to be pure and holy and, and sexually pure until I'm married, but you know what, the Bible, the Bible says that, but I'm going to do something different. When the Word of God begins to disagree with your lifestyle and you say, you know what, God is not worth it, that's who He's talking about. And friends, you might not publicly say it, but in your heart you know it's true. God's not worried about what you're saying publicly, how you're dressing when you're here, other than being modest. God knows the heart. You see, there are people here today that are here physically, mentally, but spiritually they said no to God a long time ago. Because whatever sin I've got in my heart is mine. You say, Jake, how do you know that's true? This is going to blow your mind. It's not your fault. It's mine. I can come to church. The Spirit of God can deal with, deal with me about unforgiveness and I can leave here saying, you know what, I don't think I want to right now. I think I'll hold on to it for a while. I can be bitter and angry about things and the Spirit of God can deal with me as a Christian and say, Jake, you can't keep that in your heart. You can't keep that in your life. And you know what I can do? I can leave here and say, yeah, I'll get right with you, Lord, at some point. In my own life, I know this to be true. Not everything I read in the Word of God is my first response. I love that. Do all things without disputing and complaining. Praise the Lord! I am so tired of disputing and complaining in my own life. No, I like it quite a bit. And the Spirit of God has to deal with me. Jake, you can't be like that. Be anxious for nothing. But boy, I can be anxious about all kinds of stuff. Well, this sermon's going to tick this person off. It's going to tick that person off. I've already got this butt chewing today. Maybe I'll just skip over it. But God has to remind me, be anxious for nothing. And so that's what happens is when sin in your life comes to a point where you say, God, you're not worth it. I want my sin. I want my pride. The third group, you're saying, Jake, what about the evidence of being saved? Just don't, don't check out yet. Now, these are the ones in verse 18 that sow among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is the one that worries me the most because this describes church people. You say, what do you mean? Most of you today would say, I don't have a problem with loving God. He's all right. I want to go to heaven. But what this begins to say is that what happens is, do you love Jesus more than anything? Can you honestly say that when you woke up this morning, the first thought on your mind is, I need to worship Jesus? You say, well, Jake, I didn't really want to come to church. Look up here. I didn't ask if you wanted to come to church this morning. I asked, was the first thing that you thought about, I want to worship Jesus? Because can I tell you some things? I've woke up on some Sunday mornings and not wanted to come here. You say, you're going you're gonna to meddle. I am. Take it up with the guy upstairs when you get there, all right? Or the deacons meet tonight, you can fire me at any time, all right? You, as a Christian, always want to worship Him. Even when us is a problem. Even when there's pain in the pew. Even when there's frustration 
in your class, even when there's discouragement in your life. A Christian knows something that without God, I would be nothing. When you have an option to choose serving God or serving yourself, what is it that comes to your mind? How do I get out of this? Or God, how can I serve you? When you have an opportunity to witness at work, do you think I need to use this for God or how can I get out of this? We're going through that as a family. And I, this is, I'm going to meddle and look up here. You can throw tomatoes anytime you want. Our family struggles with this a lot. We've got pretty athletic kids. They get it from their dad. And so uh, that's not true. And so naturally, what do we do? What do we do on Sundays? How do we honor the Lord with allowing them to play and also be at church? And so at our house, you have to be at church on Sunday morning, and then you can do what you want Sunday afternoon. You say, Jake, that's not strict enough, or that's too strict. That's what we've prayed about. That's where we're at. We might be wrong, but we're trying the best that we can. But we have always asked ourselves, God, help us to have a desire to serve you, have a desire to honor you. Because when the desire to serve God is gone, when the desire to worship God is not there, when the desire to please God is not there, you're this soil. Salvation is not really yours. You look like a Christian, you talk like a Christian, you think you're a Christian, but what Jesus says, if you want to know if you're saved or not, it's this last soil. told you I was going to meddle today, and that's okay. Shanna's probably bought tomatoes. They're in the lobby. When you leave today, just pick one up and I'll stand out by the tower and you can throw them all you want, all right? God's people said, come on, why would you want to do that to me? See how you are? Just kidding. But look at verse 20. We're almost done. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. Don't miss this. Hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. If you want to know if you're a child of God, is there any fruit? This morning, is there any fruit in your life that God is doing? You say, well, Jake, I don't know. I don't think I produce much fruit. Look up here. There is nothing you can do in your life to produce fruit for the Lord. It's Him. If you know anything about agriculture, and I don't, so I had to do a lot of research, okay? These seeds would have provided between 7.5 and 10% yields. And so when Jesus says 30 yield, 60, and 100, the listeners would have been like, What? That's a miracle. It can't happen. It's not possible. You cannot get that kind of crop out of that seed. And that's when Jesus says, You're right, you can't unless I do it, unless I am the one working in your life, you can't do it. And so when lost people look at me, they might not agree with me, they not, might not be able to understand me, but when they look at me, is there something in my life that is not in theirs? Fruit. Is there peace? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there long-suffering? are the fruit of the Spirit in my life. You say, well, Jake, I'm just not bearing much fruit right now. That's possible. Because while you cannot produce fruit in your life without the Lord, what you can do is you can hinder Him producing fruit in your life. It's called grieving the Spirit of God. 
It's called quenching the Spirit of God in your life. And what that means is when God wants to bless you with joy unspeakable, and God is working in your heart as a Christian, you say, let me tell you what that person did to me, and there will be no joy in this heart today. Or when God wants to give you peace that surpasses all understanding, He says, I want you to be calm about the health diagnosis. I want you to have peace in your marriage. I want you to have peace in the storms of life. And you say, well, let me tell you how I'm going to fix my own problems. What you've done is God said, I would love to give you peace, but you won't let me. God says, I'd love to teach you how to be patient and long-suffering as I'm working through you. You say, well, let me tell you something. I'm not a patient person. I I had to pull up for a Diet Coke the other day at McDonald's. What world do you have to pull up to McDonald's for a Diet Coke? I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then I laughed. I'm like, of course, I'll pull, you know. But deep in my heart, I was like, it's a Diet Coke. You put the cup under the thing, and you push it. You know what the girl come out and said? She goes, I'm sorry, we had a problem with our soda machine. And I thought, dang it. The Spirit of God dealt with me and said, you spoiled, rotten little brat. I'm t- I, I thought you had smacked my mother. I was so upset. I'm just like, pull me up for a diet. And I thought, Lord, you want me to have patience. I need to let you work in me. You see, friends, you need to get to a point where your kids as parents, they know you're not perfect. They know you fail. But there ought to be things about you that they cannot explain by the way you live. Husbands and wives, you ought to know that your spouse is saved by the fruit they are producing. You say, well, Jake, I I just I don't produce fruit. I'm just not going to produce fruit. That's not valid. That's not how you know that you're a Christian. Then Jesus is a liar. Because Jesus said the good soil, the soil that He has saved, the soil that He has changed, the soil that He is working in, when you've accepted the gospel, when you've let the gospel change you, will begin to do what? Produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. What has happened is this. Let's be honest. Most of us want enough of God to go to heaven, but not enough to change our everyday life. Well, I don't want everyone at school to know that I'm going to forgive them if they do something to me. I don't want my siblings to know I'm going to turn the other cheek if they wrong me. I don't want my wife to know that I'm going to be patient when she bothers me. I don't want that person to know I'm going to have joy even when my circumstances are bad. I want to be like the world. But yet Jesus says you cannot be like the world and be like Him. And so this morning I ask you this simple question. If you've accepted Jesus, if you've heard the words of eternal life, are you willing to let Him work in you Because He wants to. God wants your wife to see you, husband, produce fruit. God doesn't want your wife to lose you someday and wonder, I wonder if he was a child of God. God doesn't want your kids to stand beside your casket someday and say, I wonder if they were a child of God. God wants them to know by the fruit that He has produced in you. You say, well, Jake, you just don't know me. I'm a secret Christian. I'm an undercover Christian. 
I'm a Christian behind enemy lines. Look up here. You're a liar. Because Jesus said if you're His and you're living for Him, the fruit's going to be more than you can even explain. Friends, before Jesus changed my life, I was an alcoholic. There was not a pretty girl that I wouldn't chase, not that I could ever catch one, let's just be clear, except for my wife. That was a God thing, all right? Lie, whatever it took, it didn't matter. When God changed me and saved me, He changed everything about me. Does that mean I don't struggle? Absolutely, I struggle. But I'm telling you, God has worked in my life. And the question is, can anyone tell that He's worked in yours? Can anyone say, man, that guy is a weird duck sometimes at work. But man, if I ever needed anybody, that's the person I'd call. Or you know what, I really hurt them. But you know what they told me? They forgive me. See, that's the evidence of your salvation. Is it there or is it not? Now, some of you are looking at me like that's too hardcore, so I want to give you two verses and I'll be done. In Hebrews 2, chapter, Hebrews the second chapter, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest to heed the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgressor and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Jesus says there's only one way to be saved. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. And if you reject Him, there's no other way. There's not a Baptist way to heaven, a Methodist way to heaven, a Lutheran way to heaven, a Catholic way to heaven. There's one way to heaven, and you must be born again, He says. Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by us to those who heard Him. God bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles, the gift of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. This morning, if you are here, hearing the words of my voice, God wants you to know that they're true. They were true when Jesus walked this earth. They were true when the writer of Hebrews wrote them. And they will be true forever because the Word of God never changes. But don't miss this. In 1 John chapter 2, probably some of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, because it explains how I can know how I can know that I love God and how we can explain how so many people seem to love God but then don't. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, Little children, God doesn't write this as an enemy. He writes this as a loving father through John. Little children. Most of us, if we're not messed up in the head, look at a child and think, I want what's best for them. I, would, I want to help them. I want to take care of them. I want to protect them. They are special. They matter to God. That's the idea here. But they need protection. They need help. They need guidance. They're little children. It is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. He says, you need to expect this. Things are going to get bad. Uh, the church is going to be under attack. People are going to be losing their mind about stuff. You just need to be ready. And then he says, they. He's talking about people who used to be in the church, who used to to walk with them and serve with them and sing with them and honor God with them. He said those people that we thought were Christians with us, they 
He's not talking about the atheist, the infidel. He's talking about people who had sat in the same house with him, who had ate bread with him, who John had talked to about Jesus, who had even said they loved Jesus, they wanted Jesus. They, don't miss this this morning, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they were not out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You say, well, Jake, I'm here today, so I have to be of us. Look up here. You can be here without really being here. You can be here physically, mentally, but spiritually you've checked out a long time ago. Some of you are already thinking, this is the longest sermon Jake's ever preached. Why is he going so long today? It's not the longest one I've ever preached, by the way, but it is getting close. You say, well, Jake, I used to love coming to church. I used to love coming to Sunday school. I used to love reading my Bible. I used to love telling people about Jesus. I used to really care about what God was doing in my life. But... Maybe you're even sitting here now thinking about people who have just abandoned church altogether. Who who don't even claim a relationship with God. And you're thinking, how does that happen? John says it's because they never really believed. Now you're saying, Jake, every person that takes a break from church for a season is lost? No. Every person that gets hurt at church and doesn't want to come for a while is lost? No. Everyone has a bad experience with a pastor and doesn't want to go to church here is lost. No. But friends, when the things of God no longer matter to you and you call yourself a Christian, you're in dangerous territory. Because what is either happening is your heart is growing cold as a Christian or God is wanting you to know that you were never really saved in the first place. Now think about that just for a moment because you're saying, Jake, how does that affect me as a Christian? You said I need the confidence. This is what it goes on to say. Right after that, it says in verse 20, don't miss this, but you, he says, you who still love Jesus, you who still care about Jesus, you who are still trying to serve Jesus, you who are still trying to honor Him, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. What he says is the Spirit of God is in you, and you have the truth of God in you. And that's something no one can take away from you. It's something that separates you from anyone else. And it goes on and says, And I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. That means this morning I ought to be able as a Christian, to say, I remember when God convicted me. I remember when I gave my heart and life to Him. I remember accepting Him as the Lord and Savior of my life. But friends, if all you can remember is what happened and not what He is doing, that's a problem. 
Because while I remember being a young boy and being under conviction of the Holy Spirit and asking Jesus Christ into my heart at the old brown grocery store, I remember following the Lord in believer's baptism. I remember running from God for years living in the spot tavern. I remember for years every night going to head as a drunkard. But there was never a night when even if it was a still small voice, the Lord said, this is not where I want you. This is not where I want you. This is not where I want you. I love you. You say, Jake, I'm a Christian and I've not had that happen. Well, then you don't know him because he never lets his own go. Never. I I just talked about this with someone this week and their testimony was almost the same. But friends, I want you to hear this this morning because why? I'll never forget going to church on that Christmas Sunday. Never forget it. I had been out all night before. I didn't want to go. But thankfully, my mother cared about my soul. Remember sitting in that church? I don't know what he said. I don't know what the preacher... I don't remember anything. I just remember that God had said, enough's enough. I love you. Why are you living this way? And this is it. You need to come back to me. Boom. It was all perfect after that. No. The next three months, I went back to my place of employment where I had lived like a heathen and had to start apologizing. I'm sorry I did this at work. I'm sorry I said this at work. Some people I wasn't brave enough to apologize to because I was not growing that much as a Christian just yet. One of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life, and I'm going to tell it here. I don't think I've ever told it here, and that's all right. My 21st birthday, 22nd birthday, I don't know. It was one of the two, all right? My friend said, well, Jake, we know you've gotten religion. Why don't you come hang out with us? It's not our sin to drink one or two. You'll be fine. I put on a black t-shirt with red letters and had Revelation chapter 1, verse 18 on it. Jesus is the keys. and I thought, I'm going to that place, and I'm going to win every single friend I have to the Lord. I can handle it. I'm good. The Lord's in me. I know it. I went that night and lasted about 10 minutes. They said, just have one. I said, I, you're good. I'm good. God's taking care of me. Had one. Had two. Had three. Had some other stuff. And here I was in a Jesus shirt talking about how much I loved him, how much he had changed me, how he had set me free. And they just laughed and laughed and laughed. Not much longer into that night, I met my wife for the first time. So even... In your brokenness of moments, God can send you a lifeboat, all right? And since that day, I have went to all 12 of them and said, I am so sorry. That was not what God wanted. I've had the privilege of leading six of those individuals to the Lord over the last 12 years. But I think back to that moment and think, I thought I had it all figured out. And I nosedived doesn't mean I wasn't a Christian. It just means that I was growing and God was working in me and God was doing things in my life. And now I look back and I still don't go to places where there's alcohol. I've not had a drink in 15 years and I don't go because why? If I have one, it is on. Just the truth. I like sin. The flesh likes sin. And you say, not me, I don't like sin. You're a liar. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a Season. 
Am I what I should be? No, I can yell at my wife. I can yell at my kids. I, I can be angry and frustrated and, and, and vengeful and prideful. But yet when I lay my head on the pillow and the Spirit of God begins to deal with me, what is my response? And the question is, what is your response? Because today if you'll say yes to Him, friends, He will do an amazing work in your life. But if you say no to Him, Friends, there is a coldness and a deadness and a rejection that sets in. And Jesus says, you're known by the evidence that I produce in you. And so I asked that question, where's the evidence? What is God doing in you today? What sin is in your life that is keeping Him from working? That today all you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And you will. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, you know it's not what I wanted to preach. It's not what I would have chosen to preach. But Lord, it's your word. And Lord, I pray that through the power of your spirit today, God, that you would work. Lord, that you would work in this place. Lord, for that man or woman or boy or the girl that's here today, Lord, that that came for some other reason, that came knowing nothing about you, Lord, that as your word has been preached, Lord, your spirit is showing them, working them, and dealing with them. Father, I pray today, Lord, that through my brokenness and my mistakes and my failures, God, that they would see that they are not too broken, that they're not too far, that they're not too gone for you to save. Lord, today for the Christian in this place that's grown cold, that has things in their life that is hindering what you're trying to do. Lord, today that you would work in them. Lord, help this be a congregation that is producing much fruit in our marriages, in our parenting, all for your glory. Father, I pray that if I have said anything that was not according to your will or your glory or your purposes, Lord, that you'd forgive me. But Lord, that you would work in this place today. And I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.